Ten to One, Episode One Thirty Six. Books Twenty Twenty. Welcome to Ten to One, the podcast where we make top ten lists about everything. I'm Brian Kozer. And I'm Melissa Kozer, and welcome back, everyone, to another exciting round of Here's What We Read in the Previous Year. Mm-hmm. And it was a good year, because we read a hundred books, and each of us, and so we have a lot to choose from. I was, I was surprised by how many five-star books I got to read last year, and I didn't even get to all the ones that I was really thinking would be a terrific read. And we'll we'll have to talk about that in a little bit. There were some I was I was disappointed I didn't get to. Oh, let's just go ahead and talk about it now. So I didn't get <laughs> to uh, the Jane Austen books. I didn't get to Ben Hur, and I'll have to look at my list uh, because those are the only two off the top of my head that I can remember. But there were a few others that I wish I'd had the time. Well, I'm sure I did have the time, but I didn't make the time to get to. Yep, I didn't get to Mervyn Peak, Ian Banks, Gene Wolfe, um, some some Roman, some books about Rome. Uh, let's see, some different theology books. Uh, you recommended to me some books that I didn't get to, like Paradise Lost and Ink Death, Dracula. All right, so let's see. I didn't get to Ink Spell and Ink, Ink Death. I read Ink Heart, the first of that trilogy, and I was going to blow through the entire series, and I never got to the other two books. So I was kind of disappointed in myself about that. I never did uh, any Diana Wynne Jones books. Mm. No, I did one. I did House of Many Ways, okay. which is the last in her semi-loosely connected trilogy. Oh, uh, yeah. And, uh, and that was fun. Um, I, I meant to do, to read a lot of horror this year and I didn't, and Hmm. I kind of wish I had, I was, I was in the, I mean, it was definitely a year for reading horror, uh, but (laughs) Mm -hmm. didn't get around to very much, uh, Stephen King only got to one, Hmm. but I got, let's see, I got a few horror. I got three, I got five horror novels in, so I guess that's not bad. But I, I wanted to do like 13. Yeah, and I didn't get around to, to Dracula. I was going to do a reread of that. It was going to be great. I yeah. wanted to read Gone with the Wind. Uh, yeah. That didn't happen. That's a big one, though. Mm-hmm. And then I had a bunch of, um, I guess, somewhat more classic books, and I didn't get around to those either. But you know me. If it's a choice between the potatoes of classics and the cotton candy of fantasy, I'm going <laughs> to go for cotton candy every time. <laughs> nice. Um, yep, yep. There was, uh, let's see, I ended up with, uh, I, so we had a spread, we had spreadsheets where we were really keeping track of stuff. I had over 50 books on my 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 backups <laughs> list so it was definitely a i mean we reading 100 books obviously you get get through a lot but then uh, there was a lot for one reason or another did not get to uh, one reason was because 
uh, a lot of the 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 ones that I put on my list, I kind of tried to link together. So, uh, for example, uh, there's a couple different series um, that I read through a bit of. Um, uh, I read uh, the first time I've read Emily Bronte, and also the first time I've read Charlotte Bronte, or um, uh, what's another example of a few books about um, classical education or, um, you know, reading, uh, fellowship of the ring, uh, by myself. And then also reading the Hobbit with the family. So there's a few things like that where I, I kind of tried to uh, kind of put categories together. Maybe we talked about that, uh, when we were at the beginning of the, of 2020, when we were first planning this. Um, but I'm, I'm sure when we, uh, I'll, I'll continue kind of bringing some of those pairs up yeah. or, or triples up as we as we come what else did you want to want to uh bring up before we dive into our lists well i had something and i don't remember what it was because you just kept on yammering on oh man maybe this would be a better podcast if uh if i talked less <laughs> you definitely talk way too much on this yeah. podcast yeah Oh, I remember now. I'm going to leave that really long pause <laughs> in, and I want everyone to know. It's just waiting for Melissa to talk. I have I have plenty to say still. <laughs> Go ahead. What do you remember? Or you should leave again? that pause in. Okay, so what happened was a lo- one reason why I didn't get to a lot of the books on my list was... Um, I had to go with what we had available on on audiobook. Like a lot of the books that yeah. I got and that I read were because uh, I could listen to them while I did chores or while I was putting the baby down for bed or something like that. Uh-huh. And so, um, if if we didn't already have it in audiobook form, or it, if there wasn't a really good audiobook version, then I just didn't get around to it. Uh, and so there's there's some books on on my list that I read, um, not because I was really interested in them, but because it's like, well, it's an audiobook, and I'm kind of running out of options. We don't have any audiobook credits that where we can buy anything right now, so I guess I'll just see what we've already got in the bank. Uh-huh. And uh, there were some some misfires on there, and others that I was very surprised mm-hmm. were. Uh, really good that I would not have picked up, but uh, you might see them appearing on my list later on. Well, so how many How many do you think you had as audiobooks? Uh, well, let me go through and count while you, you talk. Here's your chance. I had talk 14, 14 audiobooks, oh. so about one a month, a little bit more uh, when I was traveling for work at the beginning of 2020. That was another interesting thing. Um, you'd think 2020 would be a good year. Uh, to do extra reading uh, since we were quarantined quite a bit and you know it clears up the schedule um maybe that was the case but it was probably also balanced out by the fact that you know i wasn't walking to work i wasn't driving on business trips um which are both you know prime times for audiobooks i wasn't uh by myself for um 
you know, a few, a few nights every month, month and a half, uh, on a business trip, uh, where I would just read in the hotel room. Um, so I don't know. It, it was pretty difficult, definitely by the end of the year, uh, to get, get those finished up. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, also 17 eBooks, I guess, I guess the rest. So around 70, 65 to 70 were paper books, which is, um, that seems pretty high, but, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely, um, uh, I think it, I think it ended up being, oh, I, I did keep track by month, um, and I did pretty well each month except May and then a little bit into June, um, got busy with work, really busy with work and, um, just got behind, really behind in May and June and had to make it up, um, at the end of the year. And so, uh, second half of the year much did much better. And, um, yeah, we, uh, we made it happen. Uh, so I read 33 audiobooks. Whoa. Crazy. Yeah. Like I said, I burned through these. I was yeah. I was scouring our library. Yeah, I mean that's probably That's one third of my books right there. Yeah, that's a lot. That's probably about I think you listened to about half the audiobooks or over mm-hmm. half the audiobooks mm-hmm. uh that we own. So Found out which ones oh. are worth listening to. Wow. Well, uh it's good I guess that you had then some uh, Bluetooth oh, I earbuds. Know. I don't know what uh, I would have done without that gift. Yeah. <laughs> would have had to, uh, I don't know, had to do something. Yeah. Oh, man. If you're, gonna, paper books in. if you're going to listen to audiobooks, get some really good earbuds. Brian got me uh, Jabra Elite, J-A-B-R-A, and they're really comfortable. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd had some other like ear headphones or something like that that I'd been listening to or listening with and they were fine and then he got me these new ones and they took me a bit of getting used to but then at one point the Jabra Elite needed recharging so I went back to the old ones and they were awful oh man I can't go back now so the Jabra Elite definitely the way to go nice all right well why don't we go ahead and get to our list we I mean it's we're 10 minutes in yeah, true to tradition. This is going to be a long episode, I think, anyway. So um, this is new reads, not rereads. Yes. Um, I didn't write down. Actually, I did. I do have how many of these are rereads. Um, 16 rereads, 84 new books for me. Uh, so I had a pretty, pretty good range of um, choices. Uh, and most of those rereads were... Um, reading with you, Melissa, or reading with the children. Other than that, I only reread uh, four books. Four books were just rereads by myself. So um, not really a big deal to, to exp- exclude rereads for me. Um, yeah, what else before we start? Oh, I didn't keep track. I mean, I can go through and count how many yeah. are rereads for me if you'd like. If you think that'll interest the listeners. Uh, maybe you can do that later. Yeah. Maybe if I really get into discussing one of my books. If I get bored, then, I'll just pretend uh, that I'm paying attention. Exactly. Uh, okay. Well, why don't we go ahead and get started with number 10 
for me. And it is a, a uh, I guess it's historical fiction um, or literary fiction. Uh, not, not normally something I would check out. And uh, certainly if I described the plot to you, um, is not a, I, I, I don't know. I, uh, it's an interesting book. It's the remains of the day by Kazuo Ishiguro. And, uh, that's my number 12. Oh, nice. A, uh, I'm sorry, 13, a British, uh, a Pulitzer winner, I believe. And, um, uh, not this book, but, but the author is, and, um, uh, yeah, it's uh, basically my my review was um, you can have a boring plot and still be a captivating story. And uh, and, and this is probably my, my new best example of that. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a story of uh, this butler and it's mostly told in flashbacks and he's kind of looking back on his life. And so he's just thinking through a lot of things about you know, what it meant to be in his profession and uh, what duty me- meant to him and and regret. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's very good. And um, I guess I don't want to want to say too no, much more no. about the story itself, but I would really recommend this one. It's uh, yeah, um, we'll have to talk about it. Maybe we'll do some spoiler, uh, either spoiler talk after or we'll just talk about it ourselves. Yeah. Some other time. So I'll, I'll leave it there for now. Number 10, The Remains of the Day. Yeah, it's a good book. This is uh, this is one of the last ones that I listened to that year. And um, there were a couple times like I was I was kind of bored because I was like, well, what's the point of all this? The, yeah, the, the butler is going slow. into excruciating detail sometimes about sure. the, t- the silver spoons and the, the type of polish that he uses for them. And, mm-hmm. and this type of polish is better than, the, far superior than this other type. And like, who cares? Yeah. Uh, but it, it's, it's necessary. It, it builds into this is the type of man that this butler guy is. And here's how it's going to play out in his memories and and like it's so interesting seeing uh throughout the the story you're wondering what what kind of a man is is our narrator anyway right. so that's really good uh right there's questions i recommend of, it uh is it a, is he a um reliable narrator yes. unreliable uh so it's good it's uh it it's was a, a surprisingly deep book too yeah it's uh it's definitely something where you you can see that the author is is a master of putting things together on a sentence level and and at a chapter and paragraph level mm-hmm. and and for the whole book so uh very good highly recommend and uh this one was kind of a pair with the inimitable jeeves a pg wodehouse oh yeah uh, so kind of yeah. the sillier side of of this milieu and but uh, still very much a we have got things covered and yeah and we'll keep everything running smoothly no matter what yeah i yeah. mean there was even a few a few kind of slyly humorous parts in in remains of the day i would yeah. say it's not a a humorous book like like a g story but yeah. still had some pretty funny parts yeah 
Yeah, so, good story. Yeah. Uh, I applaud this book. That was my number 10. The Remains of the Day. All right. Yeah, so uh, it was it was pretty hard choosing my my top 10. I had, let's see, I, I think I had 14 that I was I was really trying to decide what, what was going to make the cut. Yeah. And my number 10 was a really big surprise to me. Okay. Um, both in making this list and when I read it, it's Bridge to Terabithia by hmm. Catherine Patterson. Whoa. And this is more of a children's book. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's sort of a coming of age, I guess, and it's about a boy and a girl, and uh, the boy's just living on his farm kind of in Nowheresville in the state of Washington, and uh, the girl, her parents are rich, but they decided they needed to uh, get away from it all, so they go and live on a farm, you know. And so, sort of different backgrounds, but they become friends, and it's still at the age where you know they're going off and they're they're making a little fort and uh, uh, having adventures together and stuff. And yet, in spite of the child, the children's era feel of it, there's also uh stuff that you can really relate to as a as an adult and it also it's a it's a walk down memory lane back to when you used to build forts but it's also a uh look into there's all the uh, a reminder of you know our kids deal with things that we uh we think they don't have to deal with um and they they have problems and emotions that are very much as real as ours are and and affect them differently and uh, it was is really good i highly recommend it i don't want to i mean on all of these i don't want to give out spoilers because mm-hmm. they're so good hmm. uh, but this one and uh one of the best parts of it too it's a i think it's just 150 pages very short yep. read uh so it's not a big commitment if you haven't <laughs> read it I highly recommend it. Hmm. I saw the movie, and it wasn't very good. Well, I can't speak for that. I haven't <laughs> seen it. That's a shame. And I haven't read it, so that's all I can... That's a shame. I'm sure it probably gave out a spoiler from the book. I read... It was. It might have even been a fine movie. It was definitely one of those cases, like, uh, have you seen the movie? Uh, this is still the biggest biggest case of this for me. Have you seen Hidalgo? Yes. The horse movie uh, no. with... No, I saw the trailer a bunch. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and the trailer makes it look like this fantastic... Uh, it did look pretty great. Yeah, Arabian Nights almost uh, kind of story. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the trailer was definitely much better than the movie. Aw. <laughs> like it took all... Like you saw all the good parts of the I movie in that, that two minutes of the, the trailer. I it hate it when trailers movie. do that. It was a fine movie and probably Bridge to Terabithia is a fine movie. But uh, you can get a different idea of what a movie's going to be and then be disappointed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yep. Maybe it was a case of that. Well, I still recommend it. All right. My number nine is the only parenting book I've ever read, maybe. Peaceful Parent, Happy Kids. And uh, it's a, it a four-star book. I gave it four stars. There's definitely some... Uh, uh, some redundancies with how the information was presented. I think it could have been edited a little bit better um, uh, to maybe structure 
I, I probably would have structured the recommendations for certain age groups together. So maybe put all the recommendations for, you know, four and five year olds in the chapter. And instead it's kind of um, sprinkled throughout and they'll, she tried to keep it more general, um, which worked, but um, you know, a little bit of structural criticism there, but uh, some really good advice. Definitely a lot of things that I never thought about. And um, I think has helped me be more um, understanding is one of the, the big things that uh, she recommends and, um, you know, just making sure that you uh, see your children as people and, and make sure that you're empathizing with them and um, uh, not being a permissive parent and letting them do whatever they want and having guidelines and rules and expectations, but also not just laying those out as a tyrant and, um, you know, understanding that when when they run up against those things and, and when they make mistakes that they they also need uh, compassion and so um yep had had some really good thoughts and some some definite things that that uh, i've tried to do as a parent and um yep uh, this one was recommended uh or it was it was a it was reviewed by uh, matt anderson from the sci-fi christian and he reads tons of parenting books <laughs> and so his review for this one was something like uh, uh, I read a lot of parenting books, but this is one of the best and one of the only ones that's presented different information and made me feel like a bad parent. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I checked it out and, uh, it was good. I recommend it. This is probably when I would, I'd pick up like maybe if my, my brothers or sisters, um, had children for the first time, I would, I'd probably pick this up and, and send them a copy. So. Don't agree a hundred percent with everything she said, of course. Probably, probably with uh, none of those type books, would you? Yeah. But I thought it was tons of good information. Highly recommend it. And uh, have any any discussion on that one? My number nine. I couldn't get through it. Yeah. I got to the peaceful parent part, and I was like, "Well, I can't. I I, I can't apply this book." <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah, we'll have to at least uh, look over my notes again. I know we we did do some of that together, but that would be a good uh, good husband wife time. Sure, I'll be the the leader of the house. And yeah, let's do it. That sounds like such a fun date. Well, life isn't always about fun. Number nine, peaceful parent, happy kids. My number nine, back to fun. So, uh, I've been I read two books by Ursula K. Le Guin this year. Yeah. And uh, it's my first time reading any of her novels, and I'm a fan. I like that she'll she's able to uh, talk about deep subjects, uh, relevant subjects, in uh, in sh she puts them in a fantasy setting uh, and makes them very applicable and makes you think about them and she doesn't preach to you she doesn't say this is right or this is wrong but she makes you consider yeah. multiple sides and aspects of something mm -hmm. that at first you might be very opposed to or whatever and then you start seeing well how you know what what about this other aspect to it so that's really cool uh she's a very good writer um and the book, my number nine, is The Lathe of Heaven. It's about yeah. a man who, when he falls asleep and dreams 
uh, his dreams alter reality to where everybody else thinks, well, this is the way life has always been. And he's the only one who knows that purple puppies do not fly. <laughs> and uh, anyway, he, go- he goes to this doctor, this psychiatrist, and he's like, look, I-, I need you to help me stop dreaming. And the doctor's like, no, this is wonderful. We can fix society's problems. And uh, it-, it just goes from there as to whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing. And, and the, it's very interesting because you sit back and you're like, well, of course the guy shouldn't be playing God. Uh, but on the other hand, if you met su- if you were in such a situation, would you be able to just say, yeah, no, we're, we're not going to try and fix racism. We're not going to try and fix uh, world hunger or any of those other problems. Let's mm-hmm. just let the world burn as and continue to burn. We'll just leave it as it is. Ah, uh, and so it's it's very interesting. It's really great. My number nine, the lathe of heaven. Yep, that is a that was a good one. I think I also um, probably gave that one f- five stars. Yep, I I thought that one was also really good. Um, I think I liked the left hand of darkness a little bit better. Um, that that was that one is an honorable mention for me. Um, and those, I guess those were two kind of paired, uh, two Ursula K. Le Guin's. I do like her a lot. And um, yeah, Lathe of Heaven, it, it reminded me a lot of Philip K. Dick, but I'm, I'm not a fan of his writing, um, even though I like the... Basically, she took what I like about Philip K. Dick and put it into... Uh, and, and wrote it better, I thought. So I think that's a good recommendation. I th- I think uh, it's also kind of a different take on on maybe sci-fi or, or fantasy is. from what a lot of people would think of. It feels very so different. It'd be easy to recommend to to people. It almost feels it harks to me back towards like the Dune era, where yeah, it is from that era. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> that sort of seventies sci-fi. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, uh, let's keep it rolling with the the sci-fi, the weird sci-fi. And uh, my number eight is The Separation by Christopher Priest. Uh, This is the shortest review that I wrote this year. Uh, Five-star book, and the review was uh, what? And I spelled it W-U-T, so even even shorter than you were thinking. Three-letter review uh this uh, i don't know you want when you read christopher priest uh, you kind of want to not know anything about the plots going in um, because it's this uh puzzle box i know i've talked about him on previous episodes this is the guy that uh wrote the prestige uh that was made that christopher nolan made into the movie of uh, the same name and yeah it's uh, that is a very a good example of his writing of um uh, so if you if you have not seen that movie or it hasn't been a while uh you've got um two dueling magicians and you got writing from their own journals and both of them are kind of uh uh what what were we talking about with remains of the day uh, unreliable narrators all of those elements are also present in 
the separation where you've got uh, these two brothers, uh, twin, bro twin brothers, and they uh, both have journals and they're both, uh, I mean, they're twins. So they're very similar, but they're also very different. One is um, a pacifist and one is a, um, an RAF pilot. This is during World War II. Um, so uh, there, there's just a lot of, of a weirdness afoot very strange things and then um, some some kind of deep thoughtful uh, topics discussed about uh, I mean of course with one being pacifist and one being in the Air Force you have that kind of conflict and um, uh, that discussion of when is it okay to fight in a war um, you know is is violence when when is violence an acceptable uh, solution and um, yeah, and then it just messes with your mind, like a uh, <laughs> like some of those weird Christopher Nolan movies. So it's hard to recommend it. I did buy it for my dad on audiobook. I haven't. He hasn't said anything about it since since I gave it to him uh, for Christmas. So maybe uh, maybe he didn't like it. Maybe maybe he thought it was terrible. But uh, I, I can see Christopher Priest being very polarizing since he's so weird but if you like weird books if you like any of the if you like the same kind of things that i like you should check them out that is the separation uh by christopher priest I, if it's your first time i'd probably i probably would start with the prestige that it might still be his best i might read a christopher priest at some point but yeah maybe a few years down the road when i'm even more into weird things than i am right now yeah, the kind of pair with this one is if on a winter's night a traveler. Oh no, nope, that's that's killed it. Which is an honorable mention for me. I really liked it. Um, I like the concept. Yeah, that's just another one of this kind of weird literary, almost dream, uh, dreamlike uh, strangeness that's going on, and uh, you're never quite sure exactly what's real, and and. Uh, he really plays with, uh, this is now If on a Winter's Night a Traveler by Italo Calvino. He really plays with the form of of writing. He, I think a lot of it's in second person, which very difficult to pull off. Um, and yeah, it's an honorable mention. So top 20 out of the 100 books I read. I thought it was really good. <laughs> but anyway. Well, thank you, my dear. How about your now number eight? I know eight? to avoid the separation. No, no, no. <laughs> All right, so my numbers eight through three uh, have all throughout today changed places dramatically, and nice. I have not been able to nice. really settle on a firm decision as to whether <laughs> where they each belong. So just yeah. bear in mind that I like the following books just about equally. They're all pretty amazing mm. but i'm my number eight uh is captain blood by rafael oh, sabatini right you read this oh man what an adventure this is one of the best adventure books i've ever read whoa uh so think swashbuckling uh pirates okay yeah sort of zorro meets the three musketeers meets uh hmm. captain jacks well not captain jack sparrow because he's kind of silly Oh, he, think of some very serious, dashing, pirate. yeah, he's everything, it's, it's, 
Let me just read my my Goodreads review because I, I wrote it well there. Let's see. Uh, here we go. Captain Blood blends the rapier wit, fashionable elegance, and excellent fighting skills of the Scarlet Pimpernel and Cyrano de Bergerac, mm. with the added bonus of tactical battles aboard sailing ships, piracy, and a modest love story. There are characters you love, characters you love to hate, and character arcs which are sensible and, and interesting. <laughs> so it's the story of an Irish physician uh, who... Uh, he lives in the 1680s in England, and uh, England is uh, experiencing some turmoil and unrest. There's some rebellion going on, and th uh, through a misunderstanding, uh, Peter Blood gets sentenced to 10 years indentured slavery in the Caribbean, uh, and he's innocent. And so he's a very wronged man, and... Uh, that's, that's, and he's Irish and that's <laughs> not a good start to, that's not a combination that you want. And his and name then, is Blood, so. I know, pretty great, yeah. And so, uh, he's, he's very intelligent and, uh, when he sees an opportunity, he takes it and yet he's a man of honor too. And, uh, it's, it's just the best. He <laughs> should read it. Wow. It's been on my list for a long, long time. Mm -hmm. I I I might even reread it this year. I just well, love this book. Uh, yeah, that's my number eight, Captain only Blood. Number eight. My, oh, it's such a good <laughs> list from here on out. <laughs> uh, my number seven is uh, the first in a series that I'm going to start. That's going to take me uh, until I'm probably in my eighties, because every year I want to read a. U.S. President Biography. This is only number seven. This is only number seven. Just think how good it's going to get. Number seven is Washington, A Life by Ron Chernow. And um, it's um, uh, 850 pages, I think. And so, you know, he goes into, oh, no, uh, let's see. The hardcover is 900, over 900 pages. He goes into quite a bit of detail, but you still kind of feel like he's skimming sometimes. Uh, there's just so much that Washington, George Washington did, um, and uh, there's just so much interesting uh, to discuss. Um, I mean, uh, the, the sort of uh, color of Washington's life, that he wasn't just this... Uh, uh, I mean, he was larger than life. Uh, even in his own time, he was he was this legendary figure, and he definitely. Uh, so you can already see some of some of the same things today that we maybe think of as as uh, new, and uh, the the newspapers that were uh, printing slanderous things and and uh, fake news, you might say. Uh, so that was interesting, um, of course. Um, yeah, I, I mean, on 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 one side, he's a slaveholder, uh, which is you know disappointing that he's not um, an abolitionist. Um, uh, but then um, you know he did free his slaves at his death, uh, so he had some sort of moral problems with it. But uh, maybe his not as big as they uh, certainly not as big as they should have been, and and he had uh, you know. Uh, he made money more important than than that moral good. Um, 
Uh, but then, you know, and then just you can't, uh, 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 there's the idea of, of that great man of history uh, that's been kind of put away that it's not just uh, certain people that, that uh, form history, that it's, you know, large scale factors, it's, it's economics and it's, um, you know, these big things. Um, but, uh, man, it sure is hard to believe that we'd have anything close to America that we know it, uh, without George Washington. Um, just so many, so many precedents that he set anyway. Um, and then all the other, all the other characters in his story that are so great. Uh, like I, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's like seven more people that I wrote down that I want to read biographies of that are just supporting characters. Thankfully, uh, a handful of them also became president. So I can still <laughs> hang out with this, uh, <laughs> this group of people. And, uh, uh, yep. Looking forward to reading the, uh, John Adams biography this year, uh, David McCullough's John Adams. And, uh, yep. That's my number seven. Yeah, you gave me this book for Christmas. Yep. And I've heard you praise right. it so much the whole time that you were reading it. That's right. I'm really looking forward to it. But I'd heard most of what you said before, so I took the time to count how many rereads I had yeah. last year, and I had only 12. Okay, okay. That I kept track of. Yeah. There might have been more. Um, I don't think I wrote down The Hobbit on, on my spreadsheet. So there might have been more, actually, Okay. that I'm missing. But, but oh, well. About the same for us, about yeah. around 15 for both of us. Yeah. So, yep, I guess this was my most gifted book. I gave this to you for Christmas, and I gave it to uh, your brother Dale for his birthday. Mm-hmm. We so. gave it to him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that was number Duffer. seven, Washington, A Life. Great biography. Best biography I've read? Well. Maybe. Well. Maybe so. All right. My number seven was my, it was the first book I read. Was it? No. It was the first audiobook I read this year. Okay. Um, maybe the first book I finished. I think it, I think so. Yeah. And it was the first Stephen King book I'd oh. ever read. It was okay. Pet Cemetery. Yeah. And it was really good. So it was born out of, this story came out of a personal experience uh, that the author had that really traumatized him. Hmm. And uh, it's something any parent can relate to. Uh, I don't want to give out spoilers. And if you listen to, if you read the book or listen to the audiobook, uh, there is a section at the beginning where the author is talking about here's what, you know, inspired this book. Don't read that. Wait till the end of the book before you read it. Okay. Uh, just go ahead and start the story. Start in blind. I think that's the best way to go into this. Uh, but it's a family that moves to, uh, you know, they're, they're starting a new life. You know, they've they moved to this whole new state, bought a house, and it's a quieter area, quieter neighborhood. The neighbors all know each other. Uh, and there's a little dirt path leading from the back of their property to what's called the pet cemetery, where the children of the neighborhood go to bury their dead pets. <laughs> uh, and it's very lovingly kept and kept, you know, the grass is mowed and it's all kept and well tended. 
And that's all that I'm going to say about the story, but it was good. In fact, there weren't too many moments as I was listening to the story where it was like really like frightening where I've got, I had to turn it off right then, but it's a really good creepy story. And there were definitely moments, um, there were definitely times after I'd finished the book where I'd just be thinking over different parts of the story and I'd be like, oh man, get a good shiver up my spine, good chill. Uh, And boy, what an ending. This is, this is a really good horror novel. Hmm. Yeah. I've heard of it, have not read it, but. I do have that audiobook. Yeah, I had wanted to get into Stephen King uh, this year, and I was reading, uh, I was looking at a few different books of his and reading the Goodreads reviews, and people recommended, if you're going to start, um, then start with, uh, they they recommended Pet Cemetery or Carrie or The Dead Zone, and I meant okay. to get to those other two last year, and didn't, so maybe I'll get to them this year. Maybe so. I have not finished any books this year, and it's January 22nd. I so. know. I've been very lazy this year. My <laughs> number seven, Pet Cemetery by Stephen King. All right. My number six. And uh, here I've got um, a pair of theology books. This is the only theology books on my, on my list, um, but I've got some honorable mentions. Um, Baptist successionism uh, was a really interesting one and examined the idea that that there have been um, Baptists uh, throughout history, you know, from the time of the apostles. Um, That's a a popular idea in some uh, circles. And uh, this author, um, based on his scholarship that he's done, um, doesn't think that theory holds up and thinks that uh, Baptists uh, basically were... Um, English separatists at about the time of the Reformation. Um, so uh, that one was really interesting. And um, uh, there's a book called Silence, uh, which was made into a Martin Scorsese movie. That's an honorable mention. Not quite a theology book, but um, heavily, uh, it's fiction, uh, but a heavily theological book uh, that was very That's good. one of my runners up is Silence. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, the two, I think that I, uh, I mean, the two that I like best cause they're, they're here paired, um, for my number six are two by GK Chesterton, uh, who I'd read before. Uh, he wrote, uh, the father Brown mysteries, um, but I hadn't read his theology. And, uh, uh this year I read heretics and orthodoxy. Uh, so, uh, in Heretics, it's a collection of his essays uh, where he was uh, kind of uh, taking these different people like Rudyard Kipling, George Bernard Shaw, um, and some other people, a lot of them that I haven't heard of, and kind of um, examining uh, the different um, ideas that they had and then comparing them to uh, uh, Orthodox Christianity. And so uh, then from that book, where he's basically, you know, writing critiques of people, uh, uh, one of his friends said, uh, well, maybe you should write what you believe instead of just criticizing (laughs) the faults in others. And so he said, 
Well, I have, Fine. I have done it, my friend. <laughs> and that is orthodoxy, which is my number six. And um, that one is a very interesting book uh, where uh, he very slowly kind of talks through in, in his in his singular style and in a kind of a personal way how he went from um uh being a, a a kind of i guess agnostic to uh being a christian and um so he talks about um you know, he talks about uh, uh materialism and how uh to him materialism was a very limiting philosophy where um you know if if you're only allowed to believe things that are observable then um uh, you can't, for example, believe in ghosts. Uh, and so he, to he him... He wanted to believe in ghosts. <laughs> and so to him, it was a more limiting philosophy. And uh, uh, something like Christianity was something that uh, he thought was a more uh, open-minded philosophy, uh, which is, uh, you know, the opposite of what, uh, what a lot of people would say. And so, um, yeah, and so then, like, with the ghosts, he said... Uh, he did believe in ghosts, or he thought it was a, a valid thing to believe in, uh, because uh, you've got you know people for thousands of years that that uh, believe in ghosts and and um, tell stories about it across all these different cultures, and so uh, then it's sort of democratic uh, because you've got um, all these people from all time and all cultures that will. Um, that will tell about this one thing. Not that that means that it's true, but in a sort of in the same sort of way that we vote uh, in a democratic uh, uh, country for uh, for a leader or or vote on on policies. Um, he kind of compared it to that as as we form traditions or we form some of these uh, things almost by voting. It could just be that people just like ghost stories, and that's just. Yeah, it's not a. It's obviously doesn't prove that there are ghosts, and I don't think that was his point <laughs> to prove that there were ghosts. Uh, but I thought it was a good point that uh, a good point about tradition uh, as being something that's made by everybody, not something that's passed down from kings mm. or from uh, the rich. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I mean, he talks about a, a whole bunch of interesting things. Um, uh, from a Christian perspective, of course, he talks about, uh, you know, uh, why is, is, um, uh, suicide the ultimate sin, but martyrdom is, is the ultimate, uh, virtue in Christianity. Mm. Aren't those, aren't those very similar? And, um, you know, why is Christianity accused of contradictory faults? Like why, um, uh, uh why is it said that it, it just scares Christians into avoiding all the things that would actually give them pleasure in life. Scared into being uh, these ascetics. These ascet uh, into yeah, ascetic is somewhat. Yeah, I'm trying to, to some extent. Yeah, 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 yeah ascetic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, why, why, why do people say Christianity does that? But then also, uh, it's a comfort, a comforting fiction that just sort of, uh, you know, the opiate of the masses. You know, why do people criticize and say? Um, that it's, um, 
uh, uh, it's just ma- it's a very timid religion. It just makes people into sheep that just follow leaders. Uh, but it's also uh, uh, the, started all these wars and it's filled the earth with blood, a very violent religion. And um, it's, it's oppressive to women. Also, only women go to church. And so he said, um, you know, it doesn't, that doesn't prove that Christianity is, is, is true. Um, but it certainly points to it being a very strange thing that would have all these contradictory things or that would be criticized for these contradictory things. So anyway, lots of stuff like that. He's a very interesting guy. Uh, very big into paradoxes. That's one of his favorite things to talk about. Really big into metaphors. Um, I think probably could be one of my new favorite authors. I uh, definitely want to read some more of him. Um, and so I would say if you like um, uh, C.S. Lewis, or if you like um, you know any of those sort of uh, uh, that mere Christianity, um, where the, where there's a theologian writing to kind of uh, Christianity uh, Christendom in the main, um, I, I think you'd enjoy. Uh, this book in particular, and uh, he's just such a great writer. I think uh, I think you should check out Chesterton. Yeah, you were selling me on it as you were talking about him. Yeah. All right, and hey, uh, for heretics at least, uh, this is the one that I'm putting together a a free um, a free ebook uh, with the standard ebooks organization. So I volunteered to do that last year. Started on it, had to put it aside because we got busy. Uh, about ready to take that back up again and uh, get that knocked out this year. What do heretics have to do with you? That's the name of the book that I'm going to be doing. Oh, oh. The first uh, Chesterton book I thought book you I were addressing the heretics in our audience. Nope. And I was like, what? That took a sharp turn. Oh, no. Uh, uh, well, I welcome all heretics. Uh, thank you for listening. And uh, please send us some feedback. I'd love to hear from, from all of you. Um, Hi, my name is Heretic. Yep. <laughs> TTO at uh, Yes, please sign it uh, a faithful heretic or, or something like that. Uh, <laughs> love to get your feedback. Love to hear from you. That's my number six, Orthodoxy by G.K. Chesterton. All right, my number six is one that we listened to together. It was an audiobook that you had read before I had, and it was perhaps one of your favorite books of all time. Wow. By Tim Powers. Yeah. Anubis Gates. The Anubis Gates. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm still not exactly sure what all happens in the plot uh, yeah. because it's very confusing. Yep. Uh, and there's time travel involved. Yep. But it's so good. And who is the narrator on the on Oh, the yeah. Uh, Bronson Pinchot. Oh, he's so good. He's, yeah, he's amazing. He really good. Uh, yep. I highly recommend his version. Uh, he does great voices to the point, like, it truly feels like you're listening to a drama. Uh, he'll, he doesn't just do good voices, but he, he does inflections of, you can hear when the, the main character is starting to sweat and, and feel a little bit nervous or he's getting, he's feeling very carefree and uh, who cares what happens? Uh, so he's, he is fantastic as a narrator. Uh, but it's a story about uh, this random Joe who doesn't believe in anything magical or time travel or anything like that gets thrust back into, uh, well, in time. And uh, he is very much a fish out of water. <laughs> and it's 
a story about him growing as a character is so good. Yep. I don't yep. want to say too much more. Yep. That's I don't a know what I could say more. <laughs> real fun adventure story. Uh, sci-fi adventure. Very breezy. Very pulpy. You can definitely... Um, uh, yeah. I, I'm... I'm uh, his influences were definitely that sort of uh, mm-hmm. uh, early early 20th century comic booky kind of uh, uh, adventure stories, I think. And uh, um, yep, I've, I've talked about this book probably on this podcast before. I think yeah, it, was, you have. it was on my list a few years ago. I, I think I dropped it down to four and a half stars uh, on this re-listen. Um, I'm sorry. It's still it's, it's just still not really as good. fun listening to it with your wife. No, it was still just as fun. Um, it's yeah, but it was just fun. So most of the ones on my list had fun elements and also deep thoughts. Had some deeper I know. thoughts too. Yeah. So and you can't just live with this a story being just fun. No, I can. <laughs> like I really like the Anubis Gates by Tim Powers, but I don't know that I would say uh, that Tim Powers is my favorite living author like i might have said a few years ago okay i Um, think you did say that a few years ago actually yeah maybe after terry pratchett died i might have said no i might have said that about tim powers now i'd probably say dan simmons i really like dan simmons (laughs) so uh yeah so well i'm glad you put on your list i'm glad you liked it yeah i really like it still too some of my favorite memories from 2020 are of us listening to this while we worked on a uh fantasy uh, puzzle actually and it was a a bookshelf with all these great titles and uh little fantastical elements so yeah nice what a great time my number six the anubis gates I like it. Number five for me. I was just talking about this guy, C.S. Lewis. And this is the third in his space trilogy. First book, super boring. Second book, super boring, but also a little interesting. Uh, And then third book. uh, That everybody hates. I had really low expectations. I thought everybody hated this one. I went back and checked. There are people uh, that I'm friends with on Goodreads that like it. Um, uh, Ben DeBono on the Sci-Fi Christian likes it, and uh, this one was so good. Like, I didn't even realize uh, that I had no idea it was going to take this turn. Um, but uh, the first two are, uh, you know, they're out in space, and I don't know. I, I should maybe I'll reread them at some point. Maybe they are actually um, better. Maybe it was just because uh, uh, I was in uh, college or, or right after college that I read them. Um, and maybe I didn't didn't appreciate them, but uh, this one uh, is set on Earth, and it's just a very different. It's completely new characters, uh, and it's got these mythological elements and some philosophical elements, and you've got C.S. Lewis kind of putting in his uh, theology a little bit and his political thoughts a little bit and his thoughts on the family a little bit. And um, uh, there's a bear named Mr. Baltitude. <laughs> it's it's great. He had you at it the bear. It was so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, this this was really good. I, and I was very surprised. This would be my biggest surprise of the year, I think. Uh, which is kind of funny because it's C.S. Lewis. So 
you know, one of my favorite authors, but didn't have high thoughts on the trilogy before this one. So that's my number five. I know you haven't read this one. Are you interested at all in this trilogy? Well, I've read Paralandra, and I thought it was interesting. Um, I thought it was more interesting. I think it's fine to give out spoilers on it because it's a pretty old book. Uh, so yeah, Paralandra kind of, Genesis 3, yeah, so. yeah, it kind of follows what if man hadn't fallen. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was very interesting actually up until Ransom, the main character kills the tempter, uh, yeah. and, and basically saves Adam and Eve from make having to live in sure. a cursed world. And, uh, and then after that, like the rest is sort of, uh, they go on, Adam and Eve go on to be crowned king and queen and hooray, they live happily ever after. I don't know. It's, alien it's, Adam and alien yeah, Eve. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it was just kind of weird after that. And it's like, oh, okay, whatever. But the rest, you know, up to the, before that was, I thought very interesting. I don't know why t- yeah. people hate on it. I thought it was good. But um, I've never really been interested in the, the other two. I mostly read Paralandra because at the time I was at a really, really boring desk job. I was working a switchboard. Uh-huh. And I had to just sit there waiting for calls to come in. And that was the only book that happened to be in the drawer at the desk. So I was like, you know, when you're bored, why not? Right. Um, I I might read this sometime, but it's, yeah. it's going to take a few years uh, for me to get around to it. Yeah, I definitely it's not recommend high on this the, one. On the to read list. I would say I guess I would probably say read Paralandra and then read this one, but you could read this one without having read Yeah. Read the second one. You can read either of them without reading the first one. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't plan to read the first one. Yeah. I've heard overwhelming evidence that that's yeah. a good decision. Yeah, yeah. All right. My number five was I'm not even sure what made me read this maybe you were just like oh you should check it out and it was an audiobook okay and i was blown away could not wait for the moments when i would be free to put my earbuds in and shut out all the rest of the world okay and read about the first 15 lives of oh, yeah. harry august oh, yeah. by claire north Hooray. What a great book. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, man. So this is the story of an Aruberon, which uh, basically means he, every time he dies, he comes back to life in the exact same time period, the exact, the same parents and everything. So it's not like he dies and then he's reborn in some other um, person's body or whatever. No, time resets for him all over again. Uh, and yet time itself keeps going for the world per se somehow like he just keeps on going back and reliving his life and now he still has complete autonomy Mm -hmm. to do whatever he wants he can he can be a doctor he can go uh, be a theologian or uh, a university professor or whatever you know but and he's free to make all the choices he wants but uh, when he dies, he knows it's not the end, and so it's a it's a fascinating look into how does that play into how does that affect a person, uh, how does that affect uh, the way other people would react towards him, 
And uh, is he alone? Are there other people like him? And uh, what would you do if your life were like that? Oh, it's so good. It's it's one got one of the best closing lines <laughs> in a book. And I don't remember what it was, but I remember at the time being thinking, wow, that's that's it just doesn't get better than that. And so I plan to reread this book this year. Uh, because it's that good. Uh I've got a few few times coming up this year when hopefully I'll be able to go and uh help some people uh through some uh different circumstances and so uh I plan to listen to some good audiobooks during that time uh during the travel time and this will be one of them. Yep, I was trying to look back and see what year I read this one if this made my uh, if I'd talked about this one on the podcast before. Um I don't see it anywhere, but uh, I do remember liking this one, and uh, you know I'm always a sucker for that uh, sort of Groundhog Day setup. So, uh, good choice. I'm glad you liked this one. My number five, the first fifteen lives of Harry August. All right, number four for me. And oh, uh, by the way, um, the audio version by Peter Kenny was really good. I always like to give a good plug to a, a good narrator. Good job, Peter. Anyway, go ahead. All right, my number four. And uh, this one uh, links up with a book uh, by Dan Simmons that I read that was just all right uh, for Dan Simmons. Pretty good overall. Uh, but that one was uh, Ilium, and it was about... Oh, man. Um, I think it's... Some things are never quite 100% explained. Because it's the first book in a... Um, I think it's a set of two books. And, but I think it's something like... Humans have gone to Mars... And they have made themselves into the Greek gods, sort of. And they're reenacting... Um, uh, the Trojan War. Um... But then there's also these robots that like Shakespeare and Proust, and they're coming. Uh, they're coming to Mars to do something. And then there's also people still living on Earth, and they're kind of, um, uh, you know, they're they're post literate. They don't read. They don't. Uh, create art they don't craft or or do anything with technology they they're just sort of living and uh someone comes in and shakes that up and uh, you got all those kind of things all go together it was it was pretty good i don't i don't know if i want to read the second one or not there's just so many other even dan simmons books i don't want to get to but um but uh this book uh lord of light by Roger Zelazny. You have recommended this to me. Is. Multiple times. Um, man, it's that same type of concept. This one, um, uh, this is, I don't think a spoiler. This is from the back of the book, basically, or the uh, back cover. Uh, but again, you have humans going to another planet, and they colonize the planet, and then set themselves up at this time as the Hindu pantheon. 
And then um, you've got one guy that kind of disagreed with some of the things that they were doing. And so he sets himself up as Buddha and kind of introduces it, uh, Buddhism as a competing religion. And so you've got these two sides kind of going against each other. And um, there's a lot of skipping around in time, like flashbacks and flash forwards and characters popping up multiple times, maybe going by different names and... Um, it's kind of hard to follow sometimes, and there's some parts that are very poetic, uh, kind of just like very beautiful and and weird, and uh, man, it's so weird, but it's so good. It won the Hugo Award uh, the year it came out, so you know it must. Be it's good. not just this weird niche book, yeah. but um, but it's weird enough that I can. Uh, <laughs> I definitely appreciated it. Um, this is the, one of the 11, um, Rogers Elasney books that I read last year because I read the entire Chronicles of Amber as well. So this guy wrote that, which is a really good series, especially the first five books I liked, uh, a lot. And, um, uh, but this is even pretty high above, I thought, that series. I'll check so. it out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna right now go put want to read on Goodreads if I haven't already. Yeah, I think you should. Uh, it's not too long by page count. Uh, let's see, under 300 pages, um, but definitely, uh, definitely a, a one you want to take your time reading. So, I liked it quite a lot. It's kind of hard to believe that it's only at number four. But uh, just read a whole lot of good books this year. So those Chronicles of Amber, the first five would be in my honorable mentions. Number four, Lord of Light, Roger Zelazny. All right, my number four is a book that I had seen the movie for many, many times. And I, was, I just kept on meaning to to read the book because... You know, it's it's just something that if you're a nerd or a, a sci-fi or fantasy fan, ah. you need to have read these. So I finally read J.R. Tolkien's The Two Towers a few years ago. I Maybe even last year I read The Fellowship of the Ring. Hmm. This year I read The Two Towers, and I was blown away. Like, I thought Fellowship was good. There were a few parts where I liked the movie better. Hmm. Um on this one, I feel that there are a few parts where the movie captures the the feel, but at best it just matches, and it certainly does not exceed. Uh, there were a few, it, it, but overall, definitely the book is so much better than the movie. So if you like the movie, you should absolutely read the book. Uh, if you go to my Goodreads review, it's full of exclamation points because it was just so such a thrilling novel. Uh, there, it's it's epic because you have Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli, and they you really ca uh, get a feel for just the 
how what they're doing is the stuff of legends, you know, like Achilles and and yeah. uh, Hercules and, and, you know, the heroes and the ancient gods and Greeks and stuff of yeah. of our world. That's kind of what Tolkien created here. Yeah. And you don't get that feel very as much in the movies as you do in the books, but... Tolkien, with his love of geography and recounting or telling how they, you know, there's all this land that they cover. And some people, for them, that's like, oh, this is so boring. Let's just get to the action. No, this is necessary because it shows how Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli running the whole time and maybe sleeping for an hour Mm -hmm. at night and then continuing to run some more in order to try and catch catch up to the orcs to save their two friends, mm-hmm. uh, who do, who they do not even know if they're alive, mm-hmm. uh, but they will try to rescue them. If not, uh, and if not, then they will avenge them. And the the sheer honor of it, the glory, uh, and then after doing this whole big deal, and. Uh, they finally, they don't even find the hobbits. Uh, spoilers, but who cares? Because everybody should know this plot by now. Uh, when they do meet Gandalf, is is not, well, let's rest for a day and then we'll turn around, you know, we'll go do what you want, Gandalf. No, it's immediately we're turning and going right back the way we came and we're going to go right to uh, Theoden's house and we're going to convince him to uh, go to war against... Uh, against Sauron, basically. Uh, and you just get this big sense of epic building towards darkness is coming. And now is the time for mankind to decide what they're going to do, if they're going to bow to and cower in fear, or if they're going to stand up and fight, and they'll probably die, and probably everything will be lost. But they will at least have gone down fighting. Uh, and... And just the way that they, as soon as they, they get to Theoden's house and they, they convince him and then they pack up and all right, now it's off for a, a big long march off to Helm's Deep <laughs> and there's no rest. And then they get there and then it's time to fight and, and just, just glory and deeds, fell deeds and ah, it's so good. And then I read lots of reviews and people were like, oh, it's so good. And then you get to the parts with the ants and it's just so boring. Oh, and you got to slog through those. Those were some of my favorite parts, actually. And I'm not sure. Hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure why, but you see this slow. Maybe it's because it's this ancient uh, race that's been, you know, living deep in the trees. They just want, in the forest, they just want to be left alone, you know? And, and they have been around much longer than these bright little sparks, uh, of mankind. <laughs> um, and they've seen things come and go. They're like, well, we'll just weather things like we always do. And then finally, uh, it comes to, no, there are some things we can no longer sit by and tolerate and when they as and you see them talking it through and once they decide that they're gonna act it's like this this boulder that just it starts tumbling slowly and ponderously and then it gains momentum and it's it's incredible to watch (laughs) um and then 
So you have all of that in the first half of the book. And that's just, that's, it, it switches abruptly to Sam and Frodo. And it feels very different. And this was another area where a lot of people, uh, they were like, oh yeah, the first book was great. And then Sam and Frodo, it just, it's so, it's fine. They're just trudging around trying to get to Mordor. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of prepared myself for a bit of a slog uh, at this point. And and it feels mostly like, yeah, they're, they're just walking through different, you know, some variety of landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow Tolkien made their quest more difficult and hopeless and therefore noteworthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm reading my Goodreads review because... Mm-hmm. I'm a lot more eloquent when I've got time to think things through and write it down instead of speak off the cuff. But here we go. Their greatness lies not in fell deeds or acts of renown, but in constantly putting one foot in front of the other through the most dreary of circumstances towards the most despairing of dooms. The hobbits are a little folk doing a simple thing steadfastly, come what may. And through their courage to do so, they give the rest of the world hope. And if that doesn't inspire you that your insignificant life can make a difference, I don't know what will. It was <laughs> it was so good. And then you get to the end, and there's Kirith Ungol <laughs> and Minas Morgul and Gollum. Oh, that part's so great too. It really ends on a high <laughs> note. So uh I this is my favorite book of, of the trilogy. Whoa. Yeah. Now, Return of the King is good. It was a runner up. But to me, this is the high point. Oh, Fellowship might be my favorite. Well, uh, which I reread this year and was reminded again of how good it is and uh, how much I want to be a hobbit and go live in <laughs> Hobbiton. <laughs> and, uh, yep, yep. Uh, I will try my best to get to Two Towers this year. I know. I. After I read the book, I just wanted to go and binge watch the full extended editions <laughs> of the movies. And having talked and, and uh, you know, done my gushing right now, I really want to go watch them all over again. Yeah. My number four, The Two Towers. Yep. What a great series. Also, as I mentioned earlier, read The Hobbit uh, with Lydia and Amber and Penny. And, uh, man, that's got to be one of my favorite children's books. I know, me too. Uh, that one is also. I was. I, also very good um, on yeah. rereading. I can't believe how how good uh, Tolkien was at at writing both for adults and for kids. Yeah. That's that's not easy to do. Usually, you ha- you can talk to one or the other, but not both. So, way to go, Tolkien! All right, my number three, and uh, our last chance at a crossover. Uh, because this is only uh, one of the two books on my list that we've both read, and uh, uh, hugely anticipated. Uh, so glad we got this one, Piranesi, by Susanna Clark. And I know I've talked about Jonathan Strange and Mister Norrell before, and how um, how tragic I thought it was that uh, Susanna Clark. Um, you know, had heard rumors of her having health problems and, uh, you know, didn't look like we'd ever, ever get to, um, read anything else from her. And then, um, apparently she has, um, uh, she has been, 
Um, I, I don't remember exactly what uh, what it was that she was struggling with, but for a long time, I think she was bedridden and um, uh, is just now finally uh, kind of getting back into uh, living her life. And so she uh, released this book uh, in 2020, Piranesi, and it was kind of... Um, uh, in some ways, I, I saw some people calling it the anti-Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Uh, so it was short, where uh, uh, Strange and Norrell was, was really long, um, and, and Strange and Norrell was very um, uh, detailed, and she, would have, she had all these footnotes, and um, you know, in that same sort of 18th century, uh, Charles Dickens way, uh, really get into some... Uh, uh, details of, of the parts of people's lives and uh, instead this one's very sparse and very ambiguous um, but there are definitely a lot of similarities as well uh, definitely a Clark novel and um, man uh, the first third especially where you don't really know what's going on is uh, is my favorite completely I read all of I read the whole thing the whole book uh, in 24 hours and uh, man what a great book I'm, I'm so glad that uh, <laughs> that her health is improving she's releasing another book this year so um, yep had, had I'm you not doing heard of that a one? Tom Haverford smile <laughs> nice so uh, and this one's going to be uh, the only thing that she said is um, she's compared it to uh, you know in a horror novel there's some uh, terrible mystery that everyone's kind of trying to solve and it's this this darkness in the in the midst of everything and she said uh her book it's going to be a um instead of that kind of the reverse there's some sort of uh wonderful mystery uh some sort of um a lightness uh, that is they're trying to solve or or trying to get to the to the heart of so yeah so that sounded interesting so uh yeah, welcome back, Susanna Clark, and uh, man, uh, we'll see, we'll see if we get to talk about this one anymore. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe by the time we get to the end of your list. What was the other book that you thought we might cross over on? The only other one that we both read was The Remains of the Day. Ah, okay. So I oh. I thought there was a chance that that, okay. that that one could be on your list, huh? um, but I I would expect Piranesi to have a yeah. better chance of being on your list. So how about your number three? All right, well my number three is a book that we picked up at at a Friends of the Library book sale. Okay. And, and there's it a was I, yeah, <laughs> it was one of those where, you know, I hadn't really found much there that day and I was just kind of like, well, I feel like I want to get a book. Yeah. And and so I finally I, I breezed through and I grabbed a couple cuz I was like, well, I guess, you know, worst case scenario, if we don't like them, we can just return them you know, or yeah. give them away, you know. Um, Cost a dollar. So. Exactly. Not a big, not a big deal. Uh, and so I picked this one up and was like, well, it's about a circus. So I guess that'll be kind of cool. Who knows? We'll, we'll see. But I don't know if it's really going to be my thing. It looks like a romance novel. So uh, I don't know. I'm not really into romance novels. Mm-hmm. And so I had kind of somewhat low expectations, and mm. then I read it. And this is one of my all-time favorite books now. And I just might have to read it again this year. The Night Circus by Aaron uh, Morgenstern. Whoa. 
Oh, yeah. So, you know how after reading um, Ray Bradbury's Something Wicked This Way Comes, yeah. you're like, oh, I want to go to the circus again. <laughs> That's how I felt after reading this. I was like, I want to go to a circus. No, I want to go to this circus. It's a it's an incredible uh, display where... So you have this super rich financier, and he he likes to have these pet projects. Yeah, otherwise, he gets bored. And so uh, he wants to create something magical and unique and uh, that no, has never been seen anywhere else. And so uh -huh. he decides to uh, create uh, the night circus. It's only open at night. Uh, and... Uh, so as soon as it's full dark, then it opens up, and then it's it with the first ray of light in the sky. Then it closes, and uh, he has it very elegant. It's all shades of black and white and red, and uh, uh, he the goal is to have things that you will find nowhere else. Uh -huh. uh, now, unbeknownst to him, now he doesn't believe in magic, but Unbeknownst to him, there are two uh, people who are magicians, and uh, they have decided to pit their students against each other uh, to see, basically, well, I'm better than you uh, if my if my student beats your student. Okay. And so they choose the night circus as their stage, and so of course. Uh, as these two students are uh, fighting against each other, or dueling, rather, it uh, it makes the circus all that more incredible. But it's not that they're, you know, f actually fighting. It's a lot more behind the scenes. And that's what's really neat, too, about this book, is it's not... There's undercurrents going on that uh, you don't necessarily pick up on right at the beginning, there's stuff going on behind the scenes, just like there is in the book. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, it's a great story <laughs> of magic, and it's it's very it will it's very immersive. Yeah, uh, it's okay. it's a feast for the imagination, <laughs> and it's got a, a really good love story too. Well, the cover looks good. Oh yeah, it's very pretty. Yep. All right. Well. Um... I think this one's probably already on my to-read list, but I'll go make sure that it's there, and we'll see if I can get around to this one, because uh, you're, you're selling it well. Uh, yes, it's on my want to read. All right, well, we'll see. Maybe yeah. maybe I'll get to it. My number three, The Night Circus. All right, so my number two, uh, and this was a couple, uh, um, so I did, I did, uh, well, um, I, I didn't cheat, but I didn't want to leave off the remains of the day. So I kind of put two books up here that could have both been on the list. Hey, I'll only put one on the list. I will not mock you on the air. I'm mocking you in my head, yeah. but now don't mock too hard because you you've have done this done, before. No, I'm not going to mock <laughs> on the air, but you have, you have mocked me. So many stinking times for doing this. Yeah, well, this was back when you were... And I'm glad that you're finally coming around to my way of thinking. This is back when you were reading 20 books and not 100 books. 
And so, you know. But when you've read some really good stuff. Uh-huh. And you can't just come. Now, of course, in a, in 100 books, I've, I've managed to cram it down to just 10. So, I don't know. Uh-huh. I am what I am. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that you would necessarily want to get into exact numbers. So you're number two. What are we going to say? These lists. <laughs> Let's just keep um, this moving. So my number two, I finally got to uh, the. Uh, so I'd been going through uh, a list of classics, and I'd been doing them in chronological order, and saying, "Okay, you know, I'm going to read all of these Greek uh, writers, and then I'll read the Roman writers, and I'll just kind of read." chronologically through history and uh, that just takes too long with trying to do that project and all the other things uh, that I have going on so I decided I'm just going to read if it's a classic and it's something I've been interested in let's just read those doesn't necessarily have to be um, going through that that in chronological order and uh, probably when we're you know as we're homeschooling the girls and and having them read uh, or, or do some of these in chronological order and read some of these things, I'll, I'll pick up uh, some of them chronologically. But, um, you know, I uh, had some of those authors on that podcast that we did way, way back uh, years ago now of authors I've never read but want to. And so I had, uh, uh, I think Dostoyevsky was on that list. I don't, uh, I don't think Leonardo Tolstoy uh, I know, was. Now. I don't think Tolstoy was, but uh, uh, his book's... Have also been up there, so I finally read *Crime and Punishment* by Dostoevsky, and that was excellent. Uh, reminded me a lot of um, *Don Quixote* uh, in its writing style, uh, which is pretty crazy across um, across quite a few years and culture and certainly cultures and language. Um, but it reminded me quite a bit of that, and I think that's an interesting comparison. Um, very long, uh, a bit of a of a, um, uh, you know, it, it's challenge a challenging read, uh, for sure. Uh, but um, I actually went with um, the the other in the pair, uh, Tolstoy's Anna Karenina, and uh, man, what a book! This was uh, the longest book that I read. Uh, where's my Goodreads stats? This was nine hundred and sixty four pages. Um, it's the last book that I finished. I read it all in December. Um, and, uh, man, it's, it's an epic. It's so huge. It's got a bunch of different characters and, um, uh, there's so much that he discusses on just all the, he hits all the big themes of, of life and love and, um, of, um, uh, you know, virtue and, um, uh, there's there's some really good characters, and uh, this is another one uh, similar to The Remains of the Day where I could tell you the plot, and you'd say, oh yeah, that's, you know, I've heard that a hundred times before. Mm-hmm. All There's nothing there that's new, um, but uh, just the way that uh, he writes it and has so many uh, interesting character moments and interesting little uh, things that he throws in there. And, um, uh, the way that you just get into these characters' lives, uh, man, what a good book. Uh, yeah, it's only number two. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should, maybe I'll try to get to this, this to your as well. It's really hard. 
when it's almost a thousand pages to recommend a book. But if you can get past the length, I'd like this is um, uh, easily. Uh, other than that, putting that aside, if that doesn't bother you, then this is easily uh, one of the top classics that I would recommend to people. I think uh, a lot of people would like this. So uh, the one thing that I didn't see people mentioning um, uh, really online about it is, uh, you remember that movie Brief Encounter? Yeah. So Brief Encounter is like the first 50 pages maybe 100 pages of this 900-page book. Like, that's just a couple characters right at the beginning. And um, I, I I can't find any... I can't find a whole lot of people uh, discussing it or, or finding it as an explicit um, uh, uh, influence or um, inspiration uh, for David Lean that he's ever said, but it's got to be. There's just multiple different things. Uh, that make me think it's yeah, he must have read this and and decided to take the first part as a as a movie. So yeah, Anna Karenina. Uh, glad I finally got to read some of these uh, these boring old Russian authors. I'll definitely have to check out um, check out some more at some point. So that's my number two. All right, number two for yeah. you. Well, my number two is from perhaps. <laughs> my favorite author of all time. Uh, and he became that this year. Uh, I, I might have to think a little bit more to firmly put him in the favorite author Certainly position. You quote a lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's, I want to be just like him when I grow up. <laughs> the Martian Chronicles by Ray Bradbury. Oh, actually, this isn't the one I thought. Oh, what were you thinking? <laughs> I was thinking Terry Pratchett again. <laughs> Well, always he's a close that, second. The tur- that turtle book. The turtle moves. The turtle moves. You say that every day. <laughs> like a mantra. Uh, it has I become knew you did my like life story. Ray Bradbury. Ray, um, Ray Bradbury so good. Oh, man. Go ahead. Talk about him. Talk about it. I love him. <laughs> and which one was this? Because you did read multiple books of his. I, yeah, I read Zen and the Art of Writing. Yeah. And that was my number 11, by the way. Okay. A non-fiction book. Yeah, look made at you go. it almost made it to the top. I 10. liked that one a lot too. And uh, but your number two is my number two is Ray Bradbury's The Martian Chronicles. Oh, so it's a collection. Might be his best, mm. it's really good. Well, I don't know. He's got some other really great stories it's not my too. Favorite, but it might be his best. Uh, <laughs> uh, the it's a collection of short stories regarding man's uh, first visit to Mars and the second visit. And the third expedition, and the fourth expedition, yep, <laughs> and uh, and then finally we colonize Mars, and and just all the all that goes on. And usually in a short story collection, you have some that you you know that are really yep. good that you really like, and others yep. that are like, well, that one was fine, yep. just kind of a filler, and not so with the Martian Chronicles. This is the first short story collection where. I have loved every single one, and I couldn't really pick a favorite. Uh, they're all so good. They're so human. There's uh, there's this one guy who wakes up, and everybody has left Mars and gone back to Earth. And he's like, wait a second, <laughs> what? And so he goes around, and he's... He, he you know 
panicking and trying to find someone. And then uh, one day the phone, you know, for, for weeks, nothing happens. And then one day the phone rings and he, uh, he runs to get, get it. And it, it, of course, finishes ringing before he gets there. And, uh, so he's in the deficit of despair, but then he starts, starts, uh, thinking, well, who could it be that might have, might have called? Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's a woman. And yeah, it ha- would have to be a woman. Who else would think to turn to a phone? I didn't. I- I'm a man, and I've never even thought to turn to a phone in the weeks I've been here, so it must be a woman. <laughs> and so then he starts logically, now, if I were a woman, where would I be most likely to telephone from, you know? <laughs> and it just, it goes, yeah, it's, <laughs> but it's so good. Uh, and right, Bradbury has such a a flair for putting things in in way in descriptive ways that you wouldn't have thought at first to describe it that way but it's new and fresh and it makes you think of this in a whole new way uh, i'm reading uh a collection another collection of his called the october country and mm. in story after story he'll he'll describe something and i'll be like i would never have thought to put it that way but that is fantastic and of course it's all through this and then bradbury's uh He's one of the first authors that I've ever read where you don't have to be scientifically factual in order to make a good story. Yeah. So, for example, uh, he's got aliens living on Mars and uh, they're this color or whatever and the Mars air is breathable or whatever, you know, and he, he's got us arriving and we don't have to wear spacesuits and whatnot. Uh, and that's fine. He doesn't get hung up in all of the technical uh, sci-fi stuff. He just creates a world that you want to go to and you want to meet the aliens there because they're just like you and just like me. And I, I'll i never be him, <laughs> but I sure wish I could be <laughs> as a writer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I would say I would agree. Put him on my list of favorites as well. Mm-hmm. I read uh, what was the uh, the Illustrated Man? I read of his this year, and that one was good. Um, but uh, I would definitely put this one higher. My number two, The Martian Chronicles. Wow, number two. Mm. All right, uh, and then number one for me. So um, I I had mentioned. Uh, I'd mentioned these names already at the beginning. Um, uh, and I um, I really did like reading. Sorry, I was trying to... Uh, <laughs> trying to scroll on my... Way to fill that, well, that space there. Yeah, my, uh, my Watch My Deal. My Goodreads page reloaded. Um... I really liked uh, Wuthering Heights by Emily Bronte. Uh, and this was, if, if we were separating these out and not, uh, if I wasn't doing these this grouping thing, this would still have been top two or three. Um, uh, it was just, it's, um, I don't know. It's a very melodramatic. And uh, you can... <laughs> You can definitely see the sort of um, 
uh, soap opera or drama television or, or CW show kind of uh, um, uh, drama. You're just really selling it. <laughs> uh, kind of um, not uh, sensibility almost of, I mean, there's a guy in here that wants revenge and just goes to all these lengths to get his revenge of, um, you know, uh, uh, whether that's um, uh, who he marries or who he marries his children to or, um, you know, ruining people financially. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, it's it's this character drama of these of these couple families. And the one uh, famous one is Heathcliff. And uh, he's, I think, one of the original sort of uh, tall, dark, and uh, moody, moody, Byronic, uh, uh, anti-hero kind of characters. And uh, he's really interesting and um, uh, villainous. And uh, uh, I can't believe this is your number one. So you've got him, and then you've got uh, these other characters, and there's uh, romances and and kind of doomed romances and um i don't know it was uh <laughs> this is such a weird pick for your number one it, it, does, was, it feels really out of character for you it does feel really out of character um but it was really good uh kudos to emily bronte wuthering heights very good i recommend it however not my number one because my number oh, one, you suck. Because my number one is even more out of character. Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte is my number one. I really wish I got into that this year. It, I don't, e- I can't even tell you how much I liked this. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, I mean, it's that sort of, um, almost like Anne of Green Gables, Oliver Twist kind of a thing of the orphan and then she's a governess and so uh, you know it starts off kind of slow and it's just that boring 18th century stuff but uh man she's just such a great person such a great character and she's got all of these um all these uh, uh situations that she gets put into where she has to make the right decision and um you're always cheering for her and uh man um i want you to read this so i can kind of uh uh uh, make some jokes and tell you what my joking review is gonna be and uh yeah there's yeah it was like you don't want to hype something up too much that you're gonna read well when this is your number one you've hyped it but it's too late it's already my number one um I can't yeah, believe this beats. It's outside my wheelhouse. <laughs> wow. It's, but it's that same sort of pride and prejudice type of a book. And uh, I guess I'll start this know. tomorrow. I don't know. It was uh, just some really good characters, really likable characters, really hateable characters. <laughs> and, Another uh, Mr. Collins. <laughs> And, uh, yep, really interesting in uh, comparing her to um, Anna Karenina uh, from my number two. So kind of interesting that my number one, number two, um, both books named after the, the female protagonist 
and um, uh, I it definitely arguable that Anna Karenina is not the, actually the main character of her book, but Jane Eyre totally the main character of her book, and um, um, yeah, you'll have to I think okay. you'll have to read them before we discuss them anymore. But uh, yeah, I didn't write a review for Jane Eyre because I didn't really know what to write exactly, and also. I kind of wanted you to be surprised on the podcast when I revealed that that was my number one. But, uh, yeah, um, uh, it was, uh, it was just one of those books that I uh, really got into and really kept reading sort of like Piranesi where you just sort of get into a, a, uh, a flow state and you're just, uh, charging through the pages and, um, uh, Yep. All right. Well, my number one is our only crossover. Hooray. I knew it. Like you wanted. I knew it. Piranesi by Susanna Clark. Oh, man. So this is one of those books where after you finish it, you just sit there for a little bit, just like going back into the world again and just reliving everything that you've just experienced yeah and then after you've you've done that and you come back to reality you sit there very lost and forlorn because you're like well what do i do with my life now (laughs) there's no no book is gonna be near as (laughs) fulfilling as this one has been and why did it have to end? Because I'm never going to read anything ever again that will be as wonderful as this. I've That's how I felt, honestly, after I, when I first discovered the Narnia books. And mm-hmm. with each one, it was like, yes, another one to dive back into this wonderful world. And then you get to the end and it's like, oh, it's just seven short books. That's it. And there's nothing else that I ever will want to read again. Nothing will be as, as amazing. Huh. Um, and so it's just amazing to me that Susanna Clark made me feel again like that, uh, like my childhood self felt, even with. You know, I know there's going to be, there's great stuff out there, but this to me, it felt like a dive once again into a whole new world. Yeah. Yep. I can't really talk about it. it. (laughs) You just got to go read it. Yeah. And this one's really short. Mm Mm-hmm. Like 200 pages. Worth it. And even, it's, okay, so. recommend. I, I've changed some over the last few years. Uh, it used to be I wanted to know what was going on right away. I didn't like the weird, the unexplained. Yeah. I wanted to have an idea of where the story was heading. Yeah. Uh, and I've changed some on that. I, I'm fine with it being weird at the beginning as long as I do get some answers. Ah. Uh, not everything has to be explained, but I <laughs> want the answers that I do wow. receive to make sense. Uh, to be sensible. Uh, now with this one, mm-hmm. even when I didn't have the answers right away, I was totally fine with that. Uh, because it's so interesting. You're reading about this guy and he's living in this undef, not very well defined plane, I guess. I don't know. This, this area and, and it's just so, fascinating to find out about where where is he living and what is going on around him and how does he he view the world around him mm-hmm. i guess i guess she could be the other person that i would aspire to be a writer <laughs> like but i feel like 
I mean, if if Bradbury is is already too high <laughs> for me to attain to, I mean, this is this is an, even farther than the stars. So, anyway, go read Piranesi. It's good. Very good. What a great choice. Well, um, that was fun. I think this is the most fun I've had in a book's top ten. Good. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be the highest quality top ten. Oh because yeah, we've read a hundred each. Yeah. So, um, let's yeah, see. There was no garbage on this list. Uh, there's only a couple honorable mentions I didn't mention as we went. Uh, Gardens of the Moon by Stephen Erickson is the a great first book in his fantasy series. Um, oh, Moon People from the 372 Pages podcast. This was a self-published. Uh, the guy wrote it. It must have been um, speech to text uh, that he was doing. And there's just so many silly things. And um, uh, it's, I told someone it's like, uh, it's like somebody studied me and figured out like exactly how they could amuse me by writing a bad book and then specifically wrote it just for me to make me happy. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, this one and, um, trucking through time. I put on my favorite books of all time as, as one star books. And this one blows trucking through time <laughs> out of the water. This is uh, moon people is so good. Um, and then I read a couple, uh, uh books about the, uh, Greek myths uh, that I really liked. And, uh, the first one was gods and heroes of ancient Greece, uh, by Gustav Schwab. And that one is um, this sort of uh, like King James version, uh, very poetic, beautiful language and, and kind of hard to to get into, but feels like a kind of like a definitive version of, of these Greek myths. And then also listen to Stephen Fry narrate his take on it, Mythos, uh, which is this, uh, of course, very Stephen Fry um, dry humor and and pithy and and uh, witty, uh, very human and kind of earthy uh, take on the Greek myths that was also really good, and uh, uh, that one I would recommend for for a modern take on on the Greek myths. So, do you have any honorable mentions we didn't get to? Well, of uh, the ones that I considered for my top ten list, um, there was Zen and the Art of Writing by Bradbury, Life Among the Savages by oh, Shirley yeah. Jackson. Yeah. It's a uh, humorous look at motherhood written by a horror novelist, yeah. and it was <laughs> fantastic. Uh, if you're a mom, you should read Life Among the Savages. I need to read her, her other one, Raising Demons. Uh, let's see. The Remains of the Day, Pyramids by Terry Pratchett. Oh, yeah. Uh, what a surprise. This may be his best book. Whoa. Uh, it was so good. Hmm. Um, Winnie the Pooh, The Complete uh, Stories yeah. by A.A. A. Milne. That was very good. And Murder on the Orient Express yeah. by Agatha Christie. So those are the, the runners up to the top ten. Can I do a quick run through of the the other five star books that I read this year? Sure. Okay, here we go. Silence by en Shusuku Endo. Yep. Endo. A Monster Calls by Patrick Ness. Hmm. This is a really good book. 
uh, it's about a little boy um, and how he deals with difficult situ- a difficult situation in his life. Very good. Return of the King by Tolkien. Uh, I read the Harry Potter series this this year. I had read the first oh, yeah. the first book and did not like it. <laughs> I felt it was pretty pretty lame. Gave it two stars. Uh, most of the rest of the series actually picked up and was pretty good. Um, there was a three star, a four star, but for the most part, the rest of them are five stars. Small Gods by Pratchett. Uh, the Mythos and Heroes by Stephen Fry. I've read my first Isaac Asimov this year. Oh, yeah. I, Robot. Yeah. Five stars. Uh, I read The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde for the first time. I am sorry that I already knew the spoiler, but as one other reviewer had put, even knowing the spo- knowing the spoiler... Ah, I can't speak... Even knowing the spoiler, this is such still just such an interesting book. Very good. Uh, Hercule Poirot's Christmas by Agatha mm. Christie. I read some some classics, Oliver Twist and Animal Farm. Uh, I read Hearts of Fire, put out by Voice of the Martyrs. That's a very good book about Christian women who have suffered persecution. And then, let's see, some Karl Barks comic books. Uh, Freddy Goes to Florida, uh, A Night to Remember by Walter Lord. He wrote oh, yeah. about the sinking of the Titanic mm-hmm. and tried to collect uh, as many firsthand accounts as he could. And then he creatively filled in a few of the, the blanks, uh, but I don't think they were um, like in a bad way. Um, and then the some of the best... Uh, uh, non-fiction books that I read this year was The Worst Case Scenario Survival Handbook. Yeah. Uh, it's the second time rereading, but it's really great. Perfect to read in the year 2020. <laughs> How To by Randall Monroe. Also, nice. What If. Yep, uh, I read What If. That's a good one. Those are so great. Authorized the use and misuse of the KJV yeah. translation. Wow. If you are... Uh, if you're looking at different translations... Uh, of the Bible, check out this book. So good. Mm-hmm. Lies Women Believe by Nancy Walgamuth. Oh. Uh, we did that with my ladies' Bible study. It was so good. A uh, lot of things that, like, there are very few books that really have impacted me like that book did. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And I actually managed to put some things into practice from it, and it helped me. As very few self uh, or Christian books do, so very nice. It. Hey, let's look at a few Goodreads yeah. statistics, yeah, and then we'll wrap this sucker up in uh, under two hours, maybe. <laughs> uh, so my shortest book that I read was the Didaki. I did count this; it's only twenty pages, but uh, don't worry, uh, my average book still three hundred and thirteen pages because I had some. Some biggins, like Anna Karenina at 964 pages. So do you know how to get to your urine books? Yeah, I have it. Okay. They actually have Dune on here now, finally. So, hooray. There you go. Give me your shortest, your longest, and your average. My shortest book was My Immortal. (laughs) 76 pages. Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm really sorry that that's on here. (laughs) My longest book was Lord of Chaos by Robert Jordan. 
That's 1,011 pages. Oh, crazy. That's crazy. And the average book length was 326 pages. Nice. Well, there you go. You you averaged a few more than me. Now, I wonder if that includes... Uh, well, well, we'll talk about what book I quit 200 pages in. <laughs> so that was some wasted pages. But it looks like I did... I did... Uh, uh, you you could have read a few or short ones maybe and and pass me on the total number of books. Uh, what was your most popular? Uh, Animal Farm by George Orwell. Okay, my most popular was The Hobbit, and then least popular is probably going to be the same for both of us. Washington E.T. Yes, a uh, uh, a book that we that we both wrote chapters in with the 372 pages listeners. Please don't read it. Yeah, don't read it. It's 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 a fun idea just like Pride and Prejudice and Zombies or Star Wars in Shakespearean um iambic pentameter. <laughs> but uh, uh something to just kind of sit on the shelf and say, "Oh, I I like that that exists." No, I don't like that read. it exists. So. I like that it exists. What was your average rating? 4.4. 4. 4. Hmm, 4.1 for me. Well, that just proves I'm the more positive of us. Yeah. Yep, I guess it does. Your highest rated? Uh, I read a book called The Padilla Way of Classical Education. Uh, it's called Mortimer Adler, The Padilla Way of Classical Education. It was all right. It's not, it shouldn't be the highest rated on Goodreads, 4.62 average. Hmm. What was yours? Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, Mm. 4.61. All right. And then after that, it's just kind of shows shows the first review you wrote, the last review you Mm -hmm. wrote, shows all the books in a nice little gallery format. Uh, So this is the My Year in Books summary from Goodreads.com. If you're not on Goodreads and you read even one book a year, you should get on Goodreads and then become friends with us. Yeah. can see what books we're reading we can see what books you're reading i just like to talk about books if this turned into a just a books podcast i would not be upset i could i could probably handle that <laughs> so all right well why don't we wrap this up and um we'll have a couple more a couple more books to discuss here after the music but in the dark hours of the night <laughs> let me go ahead and tell you if you're still listening here close to the two hour mark uh hopefully you enjoyed listening to uh all that, all that book blather. Uh, write that down. That'll be the title of our book podcast. Book blather. Um, TTO. What about all that book blather. TTO at coaster.us. You named this podcast. Maybe I should get to name the next one. That's okay. our email address. TTO.coaster.us slash 136. Go leave us a comment on our website. I would like to hear what your favorite book was from last year. Um, and if you have any recommendations for this year. So we both talked about reading fewer books this year, I think, in our New Year's resolutions, which, uh, sorry that I only posted that a couple days ago. Um, if you're just hearing this as, as uh, when this is first posted, um, it was ready to go first Friday <laughs> of the year. And uh, there's a little hiccup, a little technical hiccup, and it just kind of sat on my computer until I realized that it was not posted. So, um, But we are, we are back on our every other week schedule. And uh, I'm excited. We're going to be doing, are uh, we doing our movies, movies of the year next, I think. Um, and then we've got, uh, we've got a few other book episodes coming up that'll kind of trail out of book year. And uh, 
yeah, we've got. I've got. I'm excited about the, the episodes we have. Y'all didn't see the little finger waggle yeah. he did as he's saying trail. That's right. We've got the finger waggle going. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited for 2021 still. And uh, I'll talk to you next time. I'm Brian Kozer. I'm Melissa Kozer, and you've been listening to Ten to One. All right, so we always do most disappointing and then worst. Um, uh, my disappointing would be either the um, either the one book that I quit 200 pages in. Uh, that's The Talisman by Stephen King. Um, I was trying to read some of these uh, uh, tie-ins to the Dark Tower series, and I I just could not get into The Talisman. I think I'm not really into Stephen King. I like this uh, Dark Tower series, and I'm going to finish that, but for his 20 other books that tie in barely, I, I'll i just uh, I'll just read a Wikipedia summary. That one was not interesting. Um, and then the other one that's possibly, uh, I would say probably is actually the most disappointing, is The Old Man in the Sea by Ernest Hemingway. And man, I just thought this thing's got such a great reputation. Um, it seems like a great theme, uh, you know, man against nature, the sea, a man in a boat, uh, just masculine, uh, a struggle, and, uh, you know, Hemingway's reputation for really clear, concise writing, which I really appreciate as a, as a, um, uh, uh, I'm not a writer at work, a programmer, but there's a lot of writing involved for documentation. You have to be very precise, very very clear and so i was looking forward to that um and uh man i'm you know perfectly fine with a slow story with philosophical stories um doesn't i I mentioned with multiple books from 2020 doesn't have to be it could be a boring plot and still be a very very good book but uh i don't know Uh, this one it didn't move me it was not deep the philosophy is like, um, uh, basically what I said in my review was uh, Reader's Digest kind of philosophy. Um, I don't know. Like, here's some of the quotes that I wrote down from it. If you love him, it is not a sin to kill him. Or is it more? That's that's for when he's catching a fish. <laughs> is it a sin? Not a sin to kill a fish. I'll go ahead and let you know. Um, no one should be alone in their old age, he thought. I mean, yep, yeah. Yep. That is sad. Uh, now is no time to think of what you do not have. Think of what you can do with what there is. Oh, that'll very, preach. Very smart. Uh, then his head started to become a little unclear, and he thought, "Is he bringing me in, or am I bringing him in?" Uh, he was bringing the fish in. <laughs> um, it is good that we do not have to try to kill the sun or the moon or the stars. It is enough to live on the sea and kill our true brothers. And I, I didn't get that oh, one. Oh, that's pretty so dumb. Maybe that's a deep truth. But uh, <laughs> no, I think you went a little too deep in the water there. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't, and there were. I saw a lot of people that got angry at him. Uh, so the story is: a guy goes fishing, and it's the biggest fish he's ever caught, and it's the longest he's ever been out on the sea, and he just won't quit. He's he's in this struggle, and. Um, uh, he just won't abandon the fish. So I saw people that were angry that this guy 
so stupid. Why wouldn't you just cut your line and go back to shore and sleep in your own bed and eat dinner? Why would you stay out there for however long the guy stays out? Uh, uh, three days. It's like a three-day trip. He's out there with no food, no water, fighting this fish. And so like people are so angry, and I just didn't feel any strong emotions the whole time reading it. It was just... Uh, well, maybe it truly is a great story. It's it's really evokes strong emotions in people. Yeah, I mean, it's spoken to a lot of people. So I can't say that it's not a classic. Um, but for me, it was a very middling three-star read. Um, and then I'll go ahead and give you my my actual least favorite of the year. And then you can you can hit us with yours. Surely it's the same as mine. Yeah, I guess it's going to be my immortal. Um, it feels kind of unfair to pick on. Um, uh, I mean, it's not even a book. It's a, it was fan fiction. A blog, sort of. Yeah. Um, from fanfiction.net. And it was either a high school girl or someone pretending to be a high school girl. I think people are still very unclear on if it's real or if it's if it's all a, a put on i think it might be both i think it might have started, started off yeah. one way i'm not positive but um yeah it it is really terrible and then just like uh very stupid sexual stuff and <laughs> it's it's really bad um yeah it was very bad so i'm guessing that was also your least favorite yeah it was um, we listened to it. Well, we read it for the podcast, 372 pages right, when right. I get back. That's true. Which this year, I don't think I'm going to read any of those books. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to throw off some of those chains. Man, if they read Moon People too, I'm there. I'm already there. I'm going to pre-order it right now. <laughs> don't, don't spend my hard-earned money on this stuff. Uh, do you have a most disappointing... Yes, I had two. So most disappointing, first off, was uh, the book that we helped to write for the 372 oh, sure. pages. Sure. Not because of all the other people who were garbage writers, but because I'm a garbage writer right there with them. So I was the whole time that I was reading everybody else's pages, and you'd find an occasional diamond in the rough, and oh, that's pretty good writing. Or maybe it just stands out because everybody else doesn't, uh, can't even write good. They, they can't, they, they spell their T-H-E-I-R, and it should yeah. be T-H-E-Y apostrophe R-E, or something like that. You know, something stupid. Um, or they've got misspellings. Didn't they reread before they <laughs> hit send, you know? Uh, or they keep on uh, misspelling someone's name and you can tell it wasn't on purpose. Or they, uh, I forget what even some of the other things were yeah. that just drove me into a frenzy about this, this monstrosity. So I was, I was, setting myself up on a pedestal and uh, congratulating myself that at least I thank the Lord that I am not like these publicans. <laughs> and then I get to mine, and while I don't have the grammatical errors, I did the exact same things as them. I pulled out all of the, the uh, inside jokes that really aren't very funny after all. Aww. And... <laughs> Uh, it was just, uh, I, 
I I moved the plot along, but the people around me didn't uh, pay any attention to what was going on. Mm -hmm. So my section of the book is very jarring. And you get to it, and it's just like, what on earth? What the heck is going on? And why did we flash over to this? And then we're back into God knows where. And yeah. Well, it, it just, was a hundred plus people writing chapters in parallel, mostly without talking to each other, with very but little. But some guidance. people did so, talk to each other, and I'm mad that they didn't was, talk to me. <laughs> well, I cared. Yeah, they were. I ca- I wanted to put together the, uh, a fun, silly book instead of an absolutely yeah. rubbish heap book. Yeah. No. Well. well. I wanted to do this. I, I wanted to have fun with this, and I couldn't. And and be, you're could have dumb. Joined, could have joined the forum. You're. And, uh, I did join it. the forum, and I did discuss it. Oh, yeah. So there's that, and the <laughs> fact that they did they make me look bad, and and also that I did that I was setting myself up to be this great person who hadn't yeah. done the silly oh. deep dive into the the all the. Uh, inside jokes, and then I realized I actually had done that. I was like, "Well, there, there, I'm an idiot." Right along with the rest of you, but at least I I proofread and spell check before I hit send. So maybe there's a little bit of hope for me after all. So there was that. Then uh, the tale, the tale of Despero. Oh no, I didn't even finish that. No, I thought, uh, yeah, <laughs> I had to. Yeah. For Lydia. Mm, I'm, I cut my losses on that one. I got out when the getting out was good. I got or, a pretty good well, review out of it. Pretty funny uh, <laughs> skating review. You did. No, the other one I was really disappointed in was a book that has changed and transformed uh, the life yeah. of a friend of mine. Yes. It is her second Bible, and she highly recommends it to everyone. Yeah. It's a, a mere two hours or two and a half hours audiobook. Uh-huh. Uh, very short, and it was the long, nice. some of the longest two and a half hours of my life. Uh, it was uh, nauseating. Wow, what a life you've had. <sighs> I tell you, it's called Chop Wood, Carry Water by Joshua Medcalf, and it's got really good tips for self-betterment with, and with practical applications. And if the book had just stopped with that, it would be a fine book. But instead... You've got this really dumb, clunky, preachy, trite, trying too hard story of this guy who wants to be a samurai archer, and so he goes and trains with this sensei, and every day he wakes up with and he, he thinks he can do it his way, and then the teacher says, no, John, you have to do it my way. And he's like, oh, of course. Now I see, Sensei, thank you. And I will do uh, what you tell me. And even if it had stopped there, that would still be awful, but whatever, you know. But then you've got the old Japanese samurai master saying uh, really out of character stuff, such as work your ever-loving butt off and (laughs) hard work isn't sexy, which really is, uh, it's the author saying it. It's not the sensei guy. And so it just goes to show that Joshua Medcalf 
can't even uh, keep himself out of the the characters. He uh, he can't separate when it's time for his voice to shine and when it's time for the characters' voices to shine. And he's just a bad writer. And the worst thing is, is he uh, seems like he's a Christian, and it just reflects poorly on. Um, well, let me read what it says. This book, which is about doing little things well and continually refining yourself, doesn't follow its own advice. Hmm. Yeah. I was, I'm sorry, Faith. I know you love this book. <laughs> I hated it. I'm really glad it has made a difference in your life. But I'm pretty sure you don't listen to our podcast anyway, so I feel pretty confident ranting about it here. Especially at the end of a two-hour episode. Nobody's yeah. listening at this point. That was cathartic.